Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. Elizabeth Gilbert became a sensation with the book Eat, Pray, Love, which spent 57 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. In 2015, she released Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. And I loved it so much that I sent it to the other people I love with a note to read and digest. Today, we're sharing our thoughts about it, as well as giving you some great tips that we took away. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hey, Leslin. Hey, Les. How are you? Good. Yeah, you're, really good. You're excited, I know. I know. I, we do a little bit of chatting before we actually turn on the mics. Yes. And now I'm super excited because I'm just remembering how much I really loved this book. Yeah. So we're talking about Big Magic by mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had the pleasure of listening to her speak back in, I'm trying to decide what year it was. It was somewhere in like the haze of like 2013 to 2015. Right after she wrote Eat, Pray, Love? It was after that, yeah, she mm-hmm. was at a photographer's conference, okay. and I heard her speak there. And I, my, uh, my Elizabeth Gilbert claim to fame is that I passed her on the sidewalk and said, "I liked your talk," and she was like, "Thanks." <laughs> and that was it. So, yeah. the closest I've come, I follow her on Instagram. That's okay. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So, she wrote a book mm-hmm. called Big Magic, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell the story of how she describes her. What would you call that? Her vision or mm-hmm. her interpretation of ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because I actually heard her on the radio talk about this many, 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 many years ago. I was living in Michigan at the time. And I didn't actually know who it was on the radio. I, I kind of listened to mm. it midway. And I remember thinking, this is it's one of those stories when I tell it, it's going to stick with you. And then when I was listening to the audiobook again, I was like, oh my gosh, that is who this was on the radio all those years ago. Interesting. And, you know, I can remember reading this and imagining it. Mm-hmm. Like, she had su- she does have such an amazing mastery of words. Yes. That they sound kind of poetic. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to see what she's describing. Yeah. So, here's kind of the foundation of this book. And this is the way that she feels like ideas are. Mm -hmm. And that is that an idea will kind of be out there. And this idea will come to you or me or whoever this idea feels will best bring it to fruition. And you will have an opportunity to take the idea and nurture it and and pay attention to it and love it. And if you don't, if you don't accept it or if you don't want to put the time and energy into it, that idea will leave you and go to someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's she describes it, like you said, so much more poetically. <laughs> well, and I, I can remember thinking that it was like the the Gulf Stream. Right, that goes around the planet. So when I read it, I I imagined this invisible Gulf Stream of ideas that yeah. moves through the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and they just kind of randomly will drop down into your mind. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I think, can relate to the vision or the experience of 
having an idea come out of the blue. Well, J.K. Rowling says that when she discovered or thought of Harry Potter, she was riding on the train, and she described it as the idea fell into her head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's what am I going to have for dinner tonight or what color I'm going to paint the den or what kind of garden I want to build, I really think these ideas pop in. And if I, you know, how many of us have had an idea, and then gone back later to say, oh, crap, where did that go? What was that? And for the life of you, you cannot recall it. Yeah. And I think it's because it's gone. Right. I I love the visual of the current, for sure. It's like in, I'm a mom, right? So, young kids. So, the Finding Mm -hmm. Nemo, where they get on the Eastern Australian current, and they're riding that wave, and then they, you know, zoom off and zoom on. Um, And especially the visual of actually, like, riding on a turtle's back like yeah. the idea like gets on your back and rides along with you um so you have to kind of understand this fundamental belief that she has about ideas where if you you know they're floating around they've presented itself to you if you are not going to be a good steward of this idea it is not going to stick around mm-hmm. it's going to go find a home somewhere else yeah and you know so she kind of starts the, with this concept of ideas yeah and There is, in the entrepreneurial world, there is a saying that says some, you know, 10 people will wake up with an idea. Yeah. Seven of them will do nothing with it. Mm -hmm. No, I guess it's six of them will do nothing. Three of them will sit back and think about it, but only one will do something with it. Yeah. So there is, she does talk about that because she gives a really cool example in the book about how she had an idea, it left her, and went to one of her author friends. And it's like so specific that it it certainly you'd think there's no way that they both could have thought of the same thing. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, she developed that idea a little bit, right? It was about um, somebody in South America. The Amazon, yeah. The Amazon, right. And she she just she developed it a little bit and then put it away. Something in her life happened and she had to focus on something else. Right. With her um her partner or her yeah. husband or something like that. And so she put it away and then when she went back to it well over a year later, yeah. it was gone. Well, and then I'm pretty sure she said she ran she went to a conference and she talked to another author. Anne Patchett. Anne Patchett. And Anne started describing this project she was working on. Yeah. And it was almost identical. Yes. And then they kind of parsed it out um, because they were friends. And Liz, I think, said, best as they can tell, Anne started working on it around the time when Liz stopped. So it, it, you know, she had abandoned it, um, and and for good reason, by mm-hmm. the way. It's not mm-hmm. like she was just being lazy or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it it moved over to her friend Anne. Yeah. yeah, and yet there's also something called simultaneous invention, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is two people, uh, unrelated, actually getting the idea at the same time. Yeah, and that happens a lot, for sure. I know that this happens because in academia— you'll get scooped. And, I mean, that's kind of what being scooped is, right? Two people have the same idea and one person finishes it before the other. Mm-hmm. So it does happen for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just a very interesting story about and a very specific yeah. example that yeah. she gave. Yeah, and I think it, I really think it's such a, an awesome... I mean, I sit back and I have a whole different sensation about the ideas that pop into my head and she's very spiritual about it she'll say well thank you for coming but i 
I can't work on you now. Right. Or I'm not sure we're a good fit. So go ahead. Go on, little little idea. Go yeah. jump back into the current. That kind of reminds me of the KonMari method of organizing where you, like, hold the object and thank it for its service. Right. Very, like, I don't know, a tactile and lovey-dovey way yes. of sending something off. Yes. I don't I don't traditionally do that. I don't do that either. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, maybe life would be, I don't know, maybe that goes back to the empathy we talked about last week and how it's important to... Or gratitude. Or gratitude, yeah, yeah that we've spent some time talking about. Yeah. Well, so we get on this idea about ideas and... What mo- what so many people do is they'll get an idea and they're like, oh, I can't do that. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do that a lot, actually. Really? <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. And yet you're an entrepreneur. Yes. So somewhere along the line you said, I can do that. I guess. I sort of feel like I'm an entrepreneur because it happened to me. Not that I chose it, although I know that's dumb. I think that's actually true of most entrepreneurs. I I feel like it definitely happened to me. Now, that's not to say that I obviously haven't made a decision to stick with it, because I certainly have, but... Well, I mean, somebody came to you and said, hey, can you do this? And Mm -hmm. you said, and you got an idea about how to do that. Yeah. And so you did it, right? I do think that if someone had come to me and said, hey, can you make a planner for me? And P.S., Seven years down the road, you're going to own a planner company. I probably would have been the person that said, no, I can't do that. That's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so isn't that something else that's kind of interesting is that so often, and I'm pretty sure that the developer, the the gal who started Stitch Fix said something very similar. Like she didn't make a decision to start a retail clothing company. Yeah. It came to her through a series of other things. She just mm-hmm. followed the current. Yes, for right? sure. Yeah. So one of the quotes that I love in Big Magic is Elizabeth Gilbert says, my fear always made predictably boring decisions. Mm. And I think that it's interesting. So she talks about, so she gets these ideas, right? She's really kind of talking about creativity, but I'll, I'll say that it's very, very Big Like creativity could be cake baking, Mm -hmm. it could be starting a company, it could be writing a book, playing music, it could be designing, right? Creativity, anything. Anything, She argues that everybody has a creative element in their spirit, but that fear holds them back from that, from engaging. Yeah, and I... I'm for sure this is something that I struggle with. I get ideas a lot. And I am also pretty practical, I think. And so I talk myself out of it a lot, like a lot, a lot. And the fear for me is is for sure tied to perfectionism. And it's mm-hmm. that if I'm going to write a book, it had better be on the bestseller list mm-hmm. or I'm not writing it. Mm-hmm. And she spends a lot of time in the book talking about how – you have to do it for the love of doing it, not just because it's going to be perfect. Yeah. As a matter of fact, she says that a good no- enough novel, violently written right now, is better than a perfect novel, meticulously written never. Yes. And it, it's interesting. I think the other thing that she says is fear is 
fear is really necessary in our lives, and we've talked about this because it prevents us from doing reckless, stupid actions. But fear also holds you back. And so both fear and creativity need to be present in our journey, but fear needs to be in the back seat strapped into a car, a car seat, right, or strapped in. It cannot be the driver. Right. Um, And this idea of perfectionism, I think we said this last year when I published my book, I hit the publish button, created the main document, I went through the spell check, I went through the grammar check, and then I hit the publish button. Mm -hmm. And then my best friend that we talked about last week, Elizabeth, she called me and she said, so are you comfortable with typos? And I said, "Uh, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, there's a few things. (laughs) And I, so I'm like, oh, okay. And we went through a couple of pages. She'd taken some notes. And I said, thank you so much. And then I made the changes on, um, you know, electronically. And my book is print on demand. So um, I thought, well, that's good. It took effect in 24 hours. So everybody that bought the book after that got the changes. Mm -hmm. And then she called me the next day. And she said, I found a few more. And I'm like, ooh. (laughs) Well, it turns out that Grammarly doesn't, you know, handle punctuation or things like I'd left a couple things hyperlinked. Ah, You know, I said, so this website, and I had hyperlinked it. And when that's in print, that doesn't make sense. So God bless her soul. And this is every quality that we talked about last week <laughs> yes. in friendship. Yeah. She went through that book page by page in a matter of 3 or 4 weeks. Wow. And made every one of those little tiny corrections. So I could be mortally embarrassed that the people who bought it the first week bought a book that was imperfect. Right. And yet I'm not <laughs> because if yeah. I'd waited, I wouldn't have pushed the button to yeah. say publish now. Yeah. I always think of the quote, uh, something to the effect of, like, perfect is the enemy of done or yeah. good enough. Yes. Because uh, the truth of the matter is you've written a book and I haven't, right? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> <It's> the, <done. laughs> the book written passion. Yeah, I have a book in print. That is yeah, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's it's close to perfect now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just wasn't the first day. And I think that's another point. Like, you are going to fail the first picture I ever painted was ridiculous. The first time I drew an apple, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it looked like a, a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I can draw an apple and shade it really well, but I, that's because I took time to practice, you know? Yeah. People yeah. tell me all the time, oh, I can't do that. Well, I couldn't either. Yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't either. I sat down in front of a YouTube tutorial with a, a pencil and a piece of white paper, and I practiced drawing an apple. Yeah. And I and now I can. I think my youngest has inherited my penchant for saying I can't or or sticking to the perfectionism a little too hard because he will tell me all the time I can't. Mm. He gets it. He gets enriched homework. He's you know good student, smart mm-hmm. kid, whatever. I mean, he's in the first grade, but he'll get a, an enrichment packet sent home, and I'm like, oh, and okay, let's do your homework. And he's like, I can't. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like. 
well, honey, we're learning here. And that isn't that the the kicker of the whole thing? As adults, we would never expect our kids to know this stuff right out of the gate. We want them to learn and fail and make mistakes. And we're very forgiving when it comes to that sort of stuff. But, like, when it's ourself as an adult, we don't have that open mentality where, well, we can fail and learn and it'll be fine. And eventually we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I think I recognized maybe about 10 years ago, that creativity in some capacity had to exist in my life, that I was ultimately a much happier individual if I could make something. Yeah. Now, it's a lot. I've, I've made a lot of things. <laughs> you know, I've made curtains and, and bedspreads and clothing and art and I mean I'm housewares I've I make a lot of things yeah. I've 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 made plants I've cross-pollinated plants to make something new I mean <laughs> and and it, in part because I know that I have to always be making something yeah I made four kids that's right <clears throat> I was going to say I I do a lot of home improvement projects yeah same thing um I like I did board and batten in my hobby, which P.S. I will never do again, mm-hmm. ever again, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was awful. But well, I hate to fine. tell you, when I saw you doing that, I thought, mm, you're going to hate cleaning that. It's well, I don't care about the cleaning as much. Yes, and, you will. Well, truth, <laughs> truth be told, me how a housekeeper. She's going to hate. She's going to hate it. <laughs> but I have never painted anything white before, mm-hmm. which I know you're, that's probably seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I still, I, I still have not. It's going to take at least two more coats. I've already done three. Yeah. I'm so irritated by the yeah. project. But. You know, I mean, I, I'm i not sure if you've ever been in my powder room downstairs, but I did that in my oh, powder yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks and, great. Yeah. yeah. And except that dust collects in the corners. <laughs> right. And after five years of wet mopping or dusting the dust in the corners, it gets stuck in the corners. Right. So you know what I do? What? Once a year, uh-huh. I paint. Oh, you just paint I just paint the dust. <laughs> I have a can of air I'm hoping will. Oh, Leslie, I never thought of See, this is why having friends is so important. <laughs> right. A can of air to with a nozzle it. to yeah. blast the dust out of there. Uh-huh. Well, I've painted a lot of dust in there already. That's well, this might happen. save you a coat this year. So How there you about go. that? Yes. Give it a shot. Hey, this is our try this at home <laughs> for this week. That's right. In hard to reach areas, Use air to get dust out yeah. of it. Why didn't I mean? Of course, I do that for my computer. I yeah, can yeah. down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. See how creative that is. I spend a lot of time thinking about cleaning. Just this morning, as a matter of fact, what a waste. I, I um discovered two boogers on the wall of my bathroom <laughs> and had to have my son come clean them off because in our house, apparently, we wipe our boogers on the wall. How do you know which son did that? Um, well, I I thought it might have been my my youngest Owen or my daughter Paige because my daughter is guilty of doing this as well and I brought them both into the bathroom and I said excuse me why are there boogers on the wall and my son looked directly at where the boogers were and I thought Paige you can leave oh no (laughs) I'm like and then Owen I said why would you do that and my husband was scolding him a little too and he's like I'm gonna wipe them off oh boy I'm like kids are gross man (laughs) Well, yes. So the, <laughs> let's let's jump back into creativity because I all of a sudden I'm not feeling very good. <laughs> you know, the um, another one of the quotes that I really just love 
is that we talked about um, the role of failure, and we're talking about, and it's, I think it's important to forgive yourself for failing. Like, like mm-hmm. when I published, when I realized I'd published that book with so many errors in it, I could hear my mother saying something, and I knew better, you know, like I mm-hmm. knew in my head. So I just had to say, it's all right. It's all I right. remember coming over here, I think we were recording shortly after, mm-hmm. and you opened the door, and you like instantly told me about all the errors. Yeah. And well, I was be transparent. Yeah. And but I was thinking like, well, I mean, you didn't have an editor. You didn't have right. like a professional like system of people that right. were helping you do right. this. Like right. I I kind of like that's what I would expect to be perfectly honest. Right. Because it's impossible. I think it would be almost impossible to well, get and, it out of the gate perfect. And that's what she says. She says, "Remember that you're nothing but a beginner." And she goes on to say that even if you're working at your craft for 50 years, we're all just beginners and we're going to mm-hmm. die beginners because perfectionism, simply perfect, never, ever exists. Right. And that's a hard pill to swallow if yeah. you're a perfectionist. Yeah, it totally is. But it's true. And it and it does. It's so sad what it prevents you from doing. I mean, again, looking at my own life, like it has really prevented me from doing a lot of things. And stupidly, there's been things that I've been afraid of doing that I thought I would actually succeed very well at. And I've been worried or afraid of succeeding. I mean, that's like crazy. Yeah. All right. Hold that thought. Hey, everyone. It's Leslin. One of our goals this year is to grow the podcast audience and you can help. We would truly appreciate a share or a shout out if you found the ideas here helpful. Don't forget, you can always touch base with us personally on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, trythisathomepodcast.com. Yeah, and you know, going back to this idea of success, mm-hmm. um, if we talk again about or bring up Christiana Lake, the, the founder of Stitch Fix, somebody asked her in an interview if how she felt about being a female CEO, a female entrepreneur, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and she said that in the beginning, she really resisted that, that why couldn't she just be a CEO? Yeah. You know, and sometimes success brings with it little nuances that we we may not really think we want to embrace. And in yes. this case, she didn't want to embrace the gender issue mm-hmm. related to her tech company. Right, sure, because yeah. Stitch Fix still is a data collecting tech company, sure, yeah. and eventually she said that she saw some value in it. But I think that those are the kinds of things that come along with success, and that's where courage comes into play. You know, and Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot about the courage to fail, but also, like you said, the courage to succeed. Yeah. There's another quote that I want to read uh, from her book, which I think is, again, just a really interesting way of thinking about Mm -hmm. things. She says, One of the oldest and most generous tricks that the universe plays on human beings is to bury strange jewels within us all and then stand back to see if we can ever find them. Mm. And for me, that's that is such an interesting way of looking at it because I think people are like, okay, I gotta think of something. What can I think of? Can I, you know, how can I be creative? All of this stuff. There's like pressure almost mm-hmm. for some people who think that they don't naturally have it. But it's kind of freeing if you think about, well, it's already in me. I just have to find it. Yeah. And maybe even I just have to be open to letting it flow from me. 
You know, like I think, again, I'll go back to her. She says, she said that she didn't expect to ever be the owner of a retail business or this, re- mm-hmm. you know, be a retail tech company. She started out in venture capital and then she went to something else. She got her MBA. She didn't really think about what she was doing. She let it unfold. And I think yeah. I tell the story sometimes about trying to, I just really believe that you should try everything, you know, or that it's important to try everything. I saw something on Pinterest that was a macrame curtain, really, is what it was. Hmm. And so I, I thought, oh, okay, well, I got on YouTube and I taught myself some knots and I practiced <laughs> on a little thing. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to buy all the string I need to make this big curtain because it really was beautiful. And my daughter's room had a little bohemian thing going. Yeah. And it pretty much sucked. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even get halfway through it and I took it out. And then I tried it again. And then I tried hanging it in a different space so that I could work on it. And the, at the end of the day, macrame is not my thing. Right. Sure. You know, it's just, it's not something I am I do well. I yeah. didn't enjoy the process. I, yeah. I failed so many times that I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to accept that macrame isn't my thing. Yeah. That That's interesting because there's another quote that Elizabeth Gilbert says where it says, most things have been done, but they have not yet been done by you. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, pressure, I think, for me personally to create something like for my business that is different and that hasn't been done yet. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, I think it's all been done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's really nothing that I can come up with. But what I can do is try to interpret something in my own way. And lo and behold, it turns out different than, you know, what somebody else does. But that's, you know, that's scary sometimes because like for me, I'm like, oh gosh, if it's the same, I'm going to get in trouble because, you know, I have to worry about copyright law. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people don't have to do that with their personal projects. But when you say it like that, it, it, I'm instantly transported back to uh, watching American Idol or The Voice, you know, and mm-hmm. listening to these contestants who will cover songs. Yes. But then there's people like Adam Lambert who never just covered a song. I mean, right. even when he was a contestant on American Idol years and years ago, his version of the song was always so unique and personal to his creativity. So maybe it wasn't the words, maybe even the key was the same, but the way he sang it was really very special, right? Yeah, I was, this is going to show my age, well, not my age, maybe my youth, but um, so I have been listening to this song that my kids really love. It's Higher Love, right? We've all mm-hmm. heard this song, but mm-hmm. it, Whitney Houston covered yeah. it. And Kygo, this DJ, mixed it. And so we've been listening to it. It's very upbeat. And Whitney Houston's amazing, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was listening to, or I told my kids, you know that movie Big Business? Have you ever seen that? With, Maybe. Uh, yeah. It's an, it's an old one about two sets of twins. It's phenomenal. Bette Midler and... Um, the other girl, which I'm blanking on, right? Lily Tomlin are in it. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. And I was like, it's on Disney Plus. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, we have to watch this movie. It's amazing. And at the end of it, Higher Love is played. And I thought, what the hell? <laughs> because it's a guy named Steve Winwood. I was going to say, I remember a man singing it. <laughs> and I was listening to that and I'm like, 
well, that's not the same, <laughs> you know? And it, yeah. and then I was, like, listening to it more, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have heard this before, but mm-hmm. in my mind, it's a Whitney Houston song. Interesting. And it's, like, mixed by a DJ. <laughs> but it is. It's two completely different songs. I mean, it's the same, but it's not. Right. Because two different people put their creative energy into it. And that's... Right. I think that's the point. You know, have you ever gone to a... a um, Paint with painting with the twist. Mm, I it, that's where you like paint the same. Everyone paints the same thing, and you right. drink wine. Exactly. Yeah, I tried that one time, but I had to leave because my babysitter crashed her car. Uh, oh, I didn't get very far into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's so they put a Monet up there, or you know, something, mm, yeah. and then everybody's supposed to paint that, <laughs> and of course, right. nobody's is going to look like a Monet for lots of reasons. Number right. one, you're not Monet. Yes. Number two, you probably don't have the experience that Monet has. Number three, you don't have maybe the raw talent that Monet had. And number four, you're drinking wine. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only reason they look like Monet. <laughs> but it's, it's that's, you know, we're, we can put our energy into it and it's going to be um, our version of yeah. the thing. And I think we just need to really embrace that. Yeah. Okay. So our try this at home this week is for, all of you to think about where you experience creativity in your life. If you hesitate because of fear or if you don't think you're creative at all, please read this book. Creativity is defined very broadly and contributes significantly to a life well lived. Yeah, and really quick too, if you, I got this from the audiobook. I got it from my public library. It was free and I listened to it in one day. It was five, a little over five hours and I was painting. So it was a really quick listen. Such an easy read. And she reads it. So you get to hear it in her own voice, which I think is amazing. Yeah, and she she does really bring the book to life. So I want to encourage you all. And that's our discussion for today. We hope that you will share this with people that you love. And as always, we're super grateful that you took the time to listen. Next week, we're going to be talking about social media and the pros and cons of what it does today in our day-to-day life. We hope that you will join us. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on social media because, of course, that's where we talk back. And until then, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.